Hi, welcome to Were the Kids Alright, a podcast where we analyze the books we read as kids. My name is Jacqueline and I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. My name is Sophie and I use she, her pronouns. We're two college students who read a lot as children and now have thoughts. First things first, we use the analytical framework of death of the author. Basically, the author doesn't matter until we say they do. We also will get into spoilers, so that's your warning for that. For this episode, we'll touch on mass murder, sword wounds, stabbing, death, emotional manipulation, betrayal, sexual harassment, implied attempt of sexual assault, blood, horse abuse, (laughs) horse death, kidnapping, child abuse, death of a parent, classism, nativism, rigid rigid monarchy gender roles, and magical coercion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are, okay, so just as a warning, there are, this is a pretty dark book, so there are a lot of content warnings in here. So yeah. um, there, when we are when we say mass murder, it's not just implied mass murder; it's like literal mass murder committed by the protagonist. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a warning. Though it so is in the middle of a war, I want to point yes. that out. <laughs> yes, it is in the middle. We will we will we will talk about it. Yeah. Um, this week we read Anna Burning by Shannon Hale. This is the second book in the Books of Bayern series, a collection of four books set in the world of magical linguistics. Every component of life, tree, animal, and human has a language, and it's up to the characters to figure it out. This book is about Anna, who we met in the first book, and is set about two years after the events of the first book. Um, Anna's brother dies after discovering a book that teaches the fire language. After he dies, Anna takes up this fire language to help her country win a war against the neighboring country, Tira. But the fire has a tendency to consume, and Anna has some problems keeping the kindling small. There is a horrible kidnapping by the by the warlord Celeth. Some escape antics, some betrayal, some light romance with Finn. And of course, lots and lots of burning to an eventually devastating war-ending climax. As the fire within her begins to take its toll, Anna and her friends must race against time to figure out how to balance the force of flame. Dun dun dun! <laughs> yep. I don't know if I would call him a warlord. Uh, uh, well, whatever he is. Yeah, he's like he's an army captain. Captain. He's a captain. That's what it is. With yeah. people speaking, he has people yes. speaking, which makes him extra deadly. But we'll talk about that during characters. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We get into our own backgrounds with the book. Absolutely. So, like with the last one, I think I read this around middle school. I definitely read this book. I don't know if I read the third book in the series. I can't remember. I probably did, but like, who knows? <laughs> um, so I probably first read it around middle school. I did not remember it as much as I thought I would. I remembered Goose Girl a lot more. Yeah, I mean, that is how a fairy tale structure, and this one does not have as strict of a fairy tale structure, so it's like, it's, it's a lot different. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so I read this book the same year I read The Goose Girl. Honestly, I think it was pretty soon after. My grandma sent me a copy of the book when I lived in Hungary, and I read it during Hungarian class at my little Hungarian school. Aww. And it was a good time, but and I did like the book. I didn't like it as much as The Goose Girl. And even though I didn't 
take it as seriously as I would now with all the darkness in this book, I was still left a little confused about how I, how to feel about Enna, especially mm. since I loved her in The Goose Girl. She was one of my favorite characters, but this book made it a lot more complicated. And I think I came away liking her, but my opinion did go down through this, through, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I liked her less than some of the other characters in the final two books, but. I mean, she uh, definitely, she becomes a more brutal character, so. Yeah. She is a lot less likable. Yeah, and I think that the next book, River Secrets, does a lot to repair, like, Anna, it allows Anna the time to deal with what she did and the trauma of the whole war in the situation, which I think offers a healing approach to Anna's character, but also I am not a big fan of River Secrets from what I remember. We'll see when we eventually reread it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I liked it. It was it was nice and dark. I definitely was there was a lot of retconning that Shannon Dale, <laughs> not Shannon Dale, Shannon, Shannon Hale. Hale. Really? Uh, I didn't notice that much. You know, with the balancing with the magic, mm-hmm. she obviously did not intend that in the Goose Girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I think, I think she... that, that was death of the author. Author dead. <laughs> No, but I think that was something she added later, which was apparent Agreed. to me that, that this wasn't really supposed to be a series or something like that. Mm, you know, that makes a lot of sense. This definitely gives off the vibes of, like, I don't know. It was, like, added in later. We have a two-year time skip. Like, yeah. it is not a direct continuation. Izzy's not doing so hot. I know. I'm <laughs> so sad. Also, okay, wait. Um, let's talk first impressions, and then let's do characters, because I have so much to say, and yep. the f- just, like, the fact that Anna calls Ani Izzy still, we should talk about that. <laughs> yes. But first impressions on the reread. You clearly liked it. You liked how dark it was. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, my You're first the only impression? other person here. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes in this particular isolated climate, you never know who you're actually talking to. Fair enough. You know, start <laughs> to see see your friends in the wall. Okay. Oh, well, that's I'm kind of you. concerning. <laughs> Sophie, please. <laughs> Do not start picturing me in the wall. That is disturbing. You live in the wall now. I don't want that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been a hard time. <laughs> oh, first impressions. Um, I, on reread, I liked it again. Um, it's a serious book, and I was just thinking all the, how much I really wanted to discuss it when I was rereading, and I'm still confused. Like, I need to work out my opinions, because I, I, like, how I feel about Anna, it was still, it's still confusing. 
but ultimately I like the way that there's a lot of healing that has to happen in this book for a bunch of characters and it's not the relationships change and they aren't simple and yeah there's a lot of complexity here so I like that definitely agreed um I think on this reread I also very much enjoyed this book um I thought it was a very interesting addition to the world of Goose Girl um in particular like it's you can obviously tell it's by the same author Shannon Hale has a very particular writing style which is very fun it was a fast read um I read it in like two days (laughs) um which was really nice and fun um it moved at a good pace I think you can definitely tell that the writing uh kind of improved like I could I could tell that it was of a slightly higher caliber perhaps maybe yeah but at the same time you could also tell that it hadn't been worked on for as long of a time as the goose girl was yeah it was definitely a shorter story both in terms of like actual length of the book and in terms of like the in-world time that passes because like goose girl that covers at least a year and i think anna burning also covers at least a year but it feels like more of the condensed time happens towards the end yeah. um, so kind of like how we were talking last time about how goose girl kind of has a bloated beginning and then like <laughs> picks up really fast i feel like this book had it it worked at a really good clip so then when the condensing of time happened later on in a couple of traveling scenes i didn't mind that yeah there's a lot more action in this book. Like, oh, in yeah. the Goose Girl, there's a lot of time for Ani to explore some things and figure out her feelings and just kind of, yeah. like, learn to live in the new city and the new situation as a Goose Girl. This was just like, there's a war going on, and Anna <laughs> needs to figure out how to stop it. Yeah, and Anna is going to be instrumental in stopping it. Yeah, you don't get any of Anna's day-to-day life in this. Everything is, everything is a um, a wartime in this book. Though we get a little bit of her daily life at the beginning. Yeah, the very beginning. Sort of, but that's like For just life. when things are starting to change. Yeah, which I think is good. I think this book does a good like to talk about Shannon Hale's writing style again real fast, I think she does a really good job dropping you at the beginning of the action. Yes. And now we should probably murder the author and talk about characters. It's really hard to murder the author. I know. Especially in this book. Cause the series. Yeah. In this, anything that Shannon Hale writes, just like, it has her thumbprint on it. Yeah. Like, I think like, that what- so her. I love these books because it's a sequel, so you benefit from, I mean, it's, you benefit from reading all the other books for, like, the world building, but they are all standalones, which I love. It's, like, my favorite That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal way of doing a book series for me, where you don't have cliffhanger endings. 
but you just I will say I think it works really well with the type of stories that these books are telling and also the fact that we we get a new main character each time I would say for some series I like it when there's a cliffhanger ending and like it makes sense that like the next book is just picks up right where the last one yeah I guess if you're not switching the main character it makes sense leave a lot of the a lot of the end up for interpretation yeah but I think that with this series because we are switching to a new main character like we can get a satisfying character arc in each book and that's what allows them to feel like standalones but we know that they're still connected because like the characters show up and the world's the same okay with that characters yes shall we begin with Anna yes okay it was complicated it is complicated um okay so I think a lot about her at the beginning of the story and like how she ends up where she ends up made a lot of sense to me knowing what we know about her character so like obviously she was gonna get bored sitting around the palace with Izzy like obviously that was gonna happen she's not the type who likes to just sit around and do nothing all the time Mm -hmm. um so i liked that she like made the decision to go home um and of course her mom dies so she has to go home um i think one of the things that confused me is why she stayed for so long at home instead of going back to the city where like most of her friends are in the city and like she had a life there and I don't know given Enna's character like life in the forest seems too boring for her yeah though I will say I think it said something about her mother dying and I don't know when her mother died but it seems like she went to the city pretty quickly like she was there for a while before Ani got there Mm-hmm. in the goose girl and I think that going back to the forest could have been a way to actually process her grief and figure, That's a good it, point. figure things out I think she also probably stayed because of her brother um <sighs> whose name I looked up uh it's Leifer what a name <laughs> what a name um but I think she probably like felt like she had to stay for her brother like not only to like process her own grief but like in order to look after her brother who I don't think has ever worked in the city um and has lived in the forest his whole life yeah Um, her brother seems okay wait this is actually something I want to talk about with um Leifer's character I wish we had been able to see more of him before he learned the fire language. Agreed. Because I feel like we get told that he's changing a lot, but I don't know, he just seems very, like, all over the place instead of, like, oh, he was this stable person before and now he's all over the place, you know? Yeah. To be honest, like, in The Goose Girl, we get the benefit of having that, as you said, bloated beginning where we get a lot of Ani's childhood and her relationships with her family and all mm-hmm. of that. But with 
uh, Anna, we don't really get that same background with the characters. And although I'm glad we didn't, I'm glad it's just picked up from basically where the book left off. I still think that maybe it should have had like a moment where it went maybe a flashback or something just like more time for Anna to really think about how Leifer was before because my opinion of Leifer is completely biased against him because he tries he burns Anna's skirt or he tries to burn her and he's like we should burn the queen the king and I know he's he's it's it's basically like he's under the influence of the fire so I'll give him that benefit of the doubt because it is he is under the influence of something really really powerful that's taking hold of his mind because there is this desire to burn and keep burning but it is the only way we ever see leifer yeah definitely i also do we know how old he was because i think he's older than enna right he's older i think he's probably like 22 or something like that okay so I didn't think about this while I was reading, but after, when I was, like, thinking back over the book and, like, writing out my notes and everything, why isn't he married? It seems like the kids in the forest get married around, like, mid-twenties, if not younger, because... They don't all get married. They don't all get married, but I don't know. Like, obviously their dad is not in the picture. Their Mm -hmm. mom has just died. Yeah. Um, so either, like, it's just Leifer and Enna right now yeah. in their home. So, like, why wouldn't he want to go and, like, start his own family? You know? Like, maybe he's just not into starting a family. Maybe he doesn't want that. But, like, I would have liked a little bit of an explanation for it. Because mm-hmm. it felt kind of weird. Like, I just, I don't get what he's doing. And I feel like if I knew what his life was like and, like, what his, I don't know, expectations for himself were, maybe, yeah. it would make more sense, like, why Enna was hanging around. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he was really lost and he was looking for a purpose, which might have been why he was so glued to the fire in the first place and why he was so willing to change complete directions when the war started he's like i'm gonna burn the king and queen of bayern and then he's like oh yay there's a war with tira i can burn everyone and then it's that also probably impacted why he died so quickly when he burned all those people yeah because towards the end of the book enna talks about like how it felt to be burning a large amount of people and things and like she felt like she could surrender and like she wanted to die because she was doing this terrible thing and she didn't want to live with that so like it makes sense why he was so susceptible to the fire it seems like a very powerful force in the first place and then also like he didn't have a lot to go back to yeah like he didn't seem to have a purpose it seemed like him and enna were just kind of living day to day and like enna has her life back in the city to hold on to like she has her friends but we don't know anything about Leifer's life. Like, yeah. also, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. Like, why would the youngest kid go 
uh, work in the city and not the eldest child, you know? Yeah, he might have been taking care of the the house. And their mother. But, yeah, and then chopping the wood and doing all the, the forest stuff. He does seem to have, like, a job somewhere within the forest community. I just picture him chopping wood. <laughs> That's all he does all day. Chop, chop, chop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Anna. Yes. I um, still... Mm-hmm. I love her, and I want her to... I want her to be okay so badly. Mm-hmm. But also... She got really manipulated by the fire in this book. Like, she did some terrible things. Oh my god, yeah. Like, I think, like, from seeing Leifer beforehand, like, obviously we already know that the fire kind of, like, takes you over and, like, drives you to a purpose um, and mm-hmm. makes you want to follow that purpose more so than you might want to otherwise um so clearly there's that but also like yeah she does some terrible things like something that I found interesting was like how superstitious she is because um she like makes this comment to one of the people in Izzy's council and is like oh we should do an what is it an augury yeah, the arguery, whatever it is. This is basically, an important plot point. It is an important plot point. And basically, yeah. it's a fight to the death between someone who represents Bayern and someone who represents Tira. And basically, whoever wins the fight, like, that's who the the gods or a higher power, like, wants to win the war. Like, it's supposed to be predicting the war. And given how things play out in the entire book, it seems like it's a pretty accurate prediction. <laughs> <laughs> so how the um, how it happens is that Finn is the one to represent Bayern because he's 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 like becoming a man. Ooh, we'll talk about Finn in a second. I love him. He's, he's he so he he wants to he wants to win it because he overhears Anna like saying that she wants a real man. And, and, like, not... not Wait, is that really why he, like, starts doing all of his stuff? Yeah, because he overhears Anna Anna saying she wants a real man. Oh, Yeah, yeah, so he starts, he starts getting super, super, um, into fighting and war. He gets, like, really good, but the thing is, so he elects to represent Bayern, and then there's this Tyrion soldier, and Finn is losing, but then Anna... Heats his heats the hilt of the sword, and then Finn is able to win with Anna's help. So then Anna realizes that she the way to win the war is for Bayern to win the war is with her help. So she decides she concocts this plan that she's going to burn the enemy camps little by little to help to like force them to retreat out of Bayern. Mm-hmm. And um she wants, she's, she's really trying to make sure that she has control. She's, she's like, she made some rules for herself, so she's not going to burn a person, and she, 
she's only going to do small fires. Um, she, she breaks her rules pretty fast. She breaks her rules um, when it's when she thinks it's like a life or death situation. She does burn a person. But when it comes to life or death situations in books, um, the thing the thing that people don't consider is if if you did not have this power, there might still be a way out of it. Like there are other things to consider. Obviously, it's a life or death situation. You're not going to be thinking about those other things, and you're going to use whatever tools you have at your disposal. But given that she had Razo and Finn with her, she could have made another choice. Yeah, I also always find it interesting when people do have, like, these superpowers, they don't feel the need to, like, cultivate any other skills. So, like, maybe this just isn't a thing in the culture of Bayern, but, like, Enna probably should have learned how to use a sword. Yes, (laughs) agreed. She should know how to defend herself. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's, like, some sexism thing in Bayern where it seems like women don't really fight um, unless they have these magical powers. Yeah. Um, Woohoo generals. True. Also, one other thing I wanted to just, like, make sure that we make clear when Enna helps out in the fight with Finn, she uh, she heats up the hilt of the sword of the man that Finn is fighting. So not Finn's sword, but she like uses it as a distraction to give Finn time to recuperate and then like you know do his thing. Yeah. And um, this prediction turns out to be accurate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It turns, yeah. like, the entire war basically follows that trajectory where Bayern is kind of struggling and fighting and they don't have the strength to win the war. And then Enna, like, does this one devastating thing that distracts the enemy. Um, yes. And then they win. Yes. And to be clear about what Enna specifically does, she burns, I can't remember the exact number, but she either burns, I think she burns a third of Tira's army. So she kills a lot. Yes, she kills a lot of people. And before she was captured by this Sealef, this guard, this Tiran guard, who tries to get her to burn against Bayern and burn Bayern people, he has people speaking, so he's very manipulative. And he also uses Razo and Finn. They get captured and he uses them as insurance to make sure that she'll do what they ask. Yeah, let's talk about Silif's character. Okay, real quick. Because he's an asshole. Well, he gets gets Anna to burn Bayern, too. So not only is Anna responsible for the deaths of a third of Tira's army, she's also responsible for the deaths of, um... Like a handful of of Bayern. Yeah, some of her own people. Yeah, and... Like, Sylph is able to do this because he has people speaking, and, like, I totally forgot that he had people speaking. Like, I did not remember that at all. It was a huge surprise to me to, like, find that out, and I don't know why I didn't realize it sooner, because looking back, it's so obvious. Like, obviously, his voice is, like, honey smooth, and Anna just, like, melts in his hands, basically, and yeah, he has her drugged. 
but like it's a little bit too easy to convince her to turn against her countrymen. Yes. I also think that he is a very good example of how like abusers isolate their victims and then turn their emotions and um, like relationships against them. So like mm-hmm. one of the main things that he does to convince Anna that she's like on her own and should go to Tira's side is he um, lies to her and says that Razo and Finn were there to try and assassinate her. Not true. Obviously, they're there to rescue her. Um, but he lies to her and says that her country has abandoned her. They are trying to kill her so that she can't hurt anyone and can't, like, live her life or anything. And it's just so manipulative. She make, he, like, he makes her feel like she's completely on her own and he's the only one who cares about her and all that, you know. It's, like, textbook abuser behavior. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is a really horrible, this is really sad. She, Anna has so much guilt over this and trauma from this abusive situation. She also feels extremely guilty for, like, buying into Celef when he was manipulating her and he had people speaking. And Izzy, oh my gosh, Izzy or um, Ani, I like Ani better personally. But, I do um, too. Yeah, Ani was, was like, was so great. She was like, Anna, he has people speaking. There's nothing you can do. And she was, she yeah. was like making sure like, you're not going, don't you dare victim blame. It's not your fault. Like. And like, honestly, Ani was the best person to tell her those things. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know if Anna knows this, but like Ani's mother has people speaking as well. So like mm-hmm. Ani knows firsthand what the power of people speaking is she had to grow up with it like she knows how manipulative people who have people speaking even if they don't acknowledge or know it themselves she knows the power that they have um and like she's really just trying to be like it's not your fault and honestly it would have been worse if uh and i hadn't been fighting back as much like Ani makes sure that she knows that she was really strong for holding back as long as she did, which I think is so good. Yeah. And considering the power of the fire, it's a really, seems like a really horrible power, and we'll see this in later books. Mm -hmm. Anna holds out for a really long time. And she's able, yeah, she eventually does basically like allow herself to surrender and it's it's horrible it's it's bad it's it bad, almost but... kills her yeah like, it... she almost dies in this book yeah and from Izzy... holding out for so long ani keeps having to put wind in her mm-hmm. yeah. i think this book found a good line between like describing the horribleness that she must have been feeling like, just pain-wise, and still, like, letting us know that she was in pain, and, like, this was a terrible situation. Yes. Like, I think there was a good line that was found. Yes, and then, and then, like, letting 
us also know that she's not faultless here. She did mm-hmm. not have to kill a third of Tira's army. Like, that. that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. It made sure, like, the narrative didn't, like, minimize any of the trauma anywhere. Yeah. It, like, made sure that everything was like, okay, this is all terrible. I think we can acknowledge that. Yes. And I, I, something I do like with the books in the later series is that people are still recovering from the trauma of what happens in this book. It's not like everything is fine after the end. I mean, even in this book, we see a couple of instances where people, like, don't really know how to handle the fact that now that they have a queen, um, they have Ani as their queen, and they don't really know the full story. So you can already see the repercussions of the first book, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see it as early as when we, like, meet uh, Leifer, and he's like, oh, she barely does anything. She's just there. And, like... Yeah. Anna Weird foreigner like, queen. Yeah. And Anna's like, don't you fucking dare talk bad about this queen in front of me. She is the best. Because she is. Yes. Yeah. I think that there was a good world-building situ... Well, we can talk about it in world-building. Where yeah. the royalty is, like, very isolated and people still mm. have their opinions and don't, aren't, like, directly connected to it and don't actually know who the people are, just know that they're important and responsible for everything that's going on. Yeah. So, obviously, there's some resentment. Uh, do we think we've talked about Ani? Or, no, uh, not, I don't think we've talked. Uh, yeah, Anna. I think we should talk about Ani. Yes, let's talk about Ani. So first important thing to mention about her is that uh, they don't call her Ani at all in this book. They call her or Izzy for the, rest the entire of the time. Oh, really? Izzy. Yeah. For the rest of the series, she, she's called Izzy. Okay. Which is not we my personal probably, taste. We should probably get used to calling her Izzy then. <laughs> I'm just going to call her Ani just because Okay. I want her to be... Okay, I guess if she considers herself as Izzy, I will call her Izzy. Like, the name that she, if she wants to be called Izzy, if she thinks of herself as Izzy, I guess she's Izzy. I mean, what does Garrick call her? Izzy. Okay, so she's Izzy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Garrick is now her husband. They've been married for, like, two years. Um, They're still cute. They're still cute. (laughs) I like them. And yes, yeah. they've been trying to get pregnant for like two years because apparently everyone wants a hair or an heir. <laughs> oh, Conrad wants a hair. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyways, Izzy finally gets pregnant, which we mm. don't find out until like the very end, even though I thought it was kind of obvious. Um yeah. Like, the first time when Enna mentions, like, oh, I was feeling extra body heat off of Izzy, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And she ends up giving birth, well, before they even get back to Bayern. Yeah. Or before they get back to the capital. Mm-hmm. She was so strong. Yeah. Izzy's, like, literally the strongest person ever. Yeah, Izzy is struggling because the wind power is starting to take its toll on her. 
-hmm. Like she's constantly hearing stuff from the wind and she doesn't have a break. The wind is constantly telling her things. Yeah, it's similar to how the fire is kind of starting to overtake Enna, but the fire obviously burns a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> jokes. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> fire. There are going to be a lot of fire jokes in this. Apologies. <laughs> I'm already tired of them. <laughs> <laughs> you tired of them? Is that a pun? Are I'm you... so... Would you say that you're burning out? Oh, oh, no, why would, why? <laughs> I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's put a lo another log on this and continue. Oh my god, fuck you. <laughs> These are terrible jokes. <laughs> uh, what were we even talking about? Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. has to drink this tea. Um, that kind of helps. It's this weird drug. So she's having to literally drug herself to lessen the effects of the wind. So she's not doing so hot, but she's also, she puts her life at risk. She cuts off all her hair to... Her hair, which is so important to her. Yes, she cuts it all off to tell a story to Anna, who's in the camp. She disguises herself as a Tyran woman. Yeah, she sneaks into the Tyran uh, camp and, like, tells a story to some soldiers who are outside of Enna's tent where she's being kept. And the story mm -hmm. is basically this whole metaphor for, like, we want to come save you, we haven't given up on you, but, like, we can't because, like, there's a fucking war going on. Yeah. Um, and she also, oh. like, finds a way to tell Enna that Selif has, um people speaking which is yeah so good yeah she's like the she's the best best friend she's like in the first in the first book it was really like anna who was like supporting her all the time and now like, izzy is in that role and she's like really supporting anna it's like a really healthy friendship they're yeah. all like supporting each other and it's like equal except for when there is a wrinkle in this in that Anna does try to burn Izzy at one point. They have an argument. And it's pretty See, horrible. That I saw as very parallel to when Anna's brother burns her skirt on accident. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly neither of them mean to hurt the people that they love, but it's like a way to show us very quickly and viscerally that like the fire is overwhelming in its power. Um, yes. And it like, leads people to do things that they super would never do normally um yeah. i don't know i thought it was like a really cool metaphor or not metaphor like a, a like a a cool parallel yes because like you see you see enna going down the same path as leifer and then she doesn't like yes she does yes. this terrible thing but she comes back and she yeah, doesn't and die yeah you also get to see how much izzy has matured like she's it's a so good. She's, she's a fucking a... queen now. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. She's so good at it too. And like, so at the very beginning of the war, um, Garrick's father, who's the current king, dies in battle. So Garrick just straight up becomes king, and she becomes the queen. Um, and it's like, 
oh my god which actually i really quickly wanted to say garrick handled that so well like that moment when his he like finds out that his father is dead and then he has to like rally the troops again like yeah top-notch king still skills i wrote in my notes that he handles his emotions and his public image very well yeah and izzy and garrick are so well matched like they're so they're such a healthy relationship yeah they love each other so much yes and then like izzy's been through a lot she she can be there to support garrick through his grief because she's also lost her father Mm -hmm. and yeah it's Oh my gosh. Okay, so should we talk about Finn and Razo? One thing I wanted to say before we move on, because we should talk about those two, Izzy, I wanted to know if she has seen her family since marrying Garrick. Like, has she seen her mother? How's her brother doing? Like, what's up? What's up with them? (laughs) I am so annoyed that this book series, like, you get the beginning of the goose girl you get a lot about her family and then they kind of ditch them for the rest of the entire series you don't yeah, hear it's like, anything about them we start at a completely different kingdom and yes. then we like we end up somewhere completely different and like we stay there forever Tilden and like kicked to the curb yeah which is sad because uh, like like, uh, Izzy has grown so much as a person, especially in, like, her understanding of the world since she was in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Kildenry? Kildenry, yeah. Um, so, like, since that time, like, she's come into her wind speaking, like, she's okay with who she is as a person, she's a kinder person, she's a good queen, she, like, stepped into that role and, like, did it, even though her mother was, like, so mean to her. (laughs) Yeah, queen of empathy, my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm, oh my god, yes. Like, oh god, I just love how Izzy's backstory, like, like, her family kind of goes away, but, like, the impact that her formative years of life had on her, that never goes away. Yeah. Like, the growth that she makes and the empathy that she gains, she just, like, oh, she keeps getting better, and I love it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, I'm just wondering if the reason why Izzy is not really, like, going back to her family and talking to them so much is because she's resentful of the fact that they sent her to Bayern with half with the half and like guard that's full of like traitors and that her people speaking mother didn't seem to see it coming and didn't seem to really not that they could have known but well, yeah but still it could be an irrational thing yeah she probably does feel at least at least in my in her position, I would probably feel a little bit of resentment towards the family that she left behind for not like teaching her how to be a better person, you know? Yeah. Just like she never learned how to like read people. Yeah. And I think I don't know. Her mother should have taught her that. Her mother is quite bad, but her siblings, like, I would ditch your siblings. Like, they're going through a lot. Don't you want to, like, help them through? Yeah! We are both also older siblings. 
So yes. we're maybe a little bit biased. Well, she's also an older sibling, so. Yeah. But she didn't, like, we talked about this last time. She wasn't that close with her siblings. So, like, I yeah, can she's get. Very isolated. Yeah, she was really isolated. So, like, I get why she doesn't feel the urge to go back. But, like, she's going through a really hard time. And they're probably going through a rough transition period as well. Like, her brother has Mm -hmm. to become king now. (laughs) Yikes. Um, Okay, but that's, like, a completely different story. Yes. (laughs) So let's talk about Finn and Razzo. Can we do Razzo first? Oh, Finn first? We can do Finn first. I just have less to say about Razzo. Okay, let's do Razzo really quickly then. Okay, so I thought initially that he was going to be, like, another love interest for Enna, and I thought it was going to be, like, this love triangle thing, and I am so glad that it didn't turn out that way. Mm-mm. Razzo is, um, seems like Razzo's the kind of like per- her, it's like his, like, he's her little brother, more than anything. Yeah. Which I like, that's a good thing. Yeah, that they're just friends. He's just, like, a really good friend. Yeah. And he seems to, like, be really good at providing some fun like, a good, fun friend. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, he has, he's the main character of River Secrets, so. I think that'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I feel, like, I feel like right now he hasn't really grown that much. Like, obviously a war changes everyone, like, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he got the least character development out of yeah everyone who we've seen before. Though we're also looking at him through both Izzy and Enna, who he might portray himself as, like, he wants to be have show this really happy face and jokey mm. face all the time, but, like, internally there's a lot of other stuff going on. That is very probable. Yeah. But yeah, that's really all I have to say about Razzo. I'm just glad he wasn't another yeah. love interest. And he didn't ditch Enna. He was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Good friend. Very good friend. Finn? <laughs> Finn wants to be a manly man for Anna. I love Finn. <laughs> I love his character development in this book. I don't even care if you think it's ridiculous. I think I it's ridiculous, but it. realistic. <laughs> yes. who? You can see this in the real world, too. Someone makes a comment about how you want a manly man, and someone's like... I can be that manly man for you. See, I don't even think it's just that. Like, I think that definitely probably has, like, an impact on him, and he's probably thinking about it. But also, like, just the fact that his country is now at war, and, like, like, he needs to become stronger in order to protect the people that he cares about, including Anna. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just, like, he throws himself into his training, which makes sense. He doesn't, he clearly does not want to deal with his feelings towards Anna at this moment in time. So it makes sense that he throws himself into other things, like becoming stronger and training and all that. Yeah. And I like Probably. the detail. Oh, what, yeah? I think he has, like, a big prove-himself complex. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I also thought it was a really good detail when he like steps into the ring to like fight the Tyran prisoner for the like 
prophesizing thingy mabuber um Anna like has this thought in her head where she's like he's just a boy he's not strong enough for this um she does prove to be right but <laughs> I thought that was a really good moment because what I was thinking reading that was like he's been training this entire time he's probably a lot better than you know like mm-hmm. I thought that just really pointed out how little Anna has been hanging out with Finn in like those first couple of weeks of the war. Yeah. And honestly, since the whole thing with uh, Celia in the first book, like it seems like there's, they've obviously been like getting closer, but then there might've been some like awkwardness and like people, they're unsure of where the relationship stands. And they're both in the forest in different places. But oh. they still hang out together sometimes. Slow burn. Oh. Slow burn over like three years. More than three years. <laughs> More than oh three years God. because there's drama in the river secrets with them still. Oh God, seriously? I just want them to be happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're Finn so good together. Such a big deal about the fact that um, Razo and Anna are sleeping in the same tent. Okay, see that? <laughs> I... <laughs> Okay, like, (laughs) we know at this point that he very clearly has a crush on Enna, but I like that he's not really creepy or overprotective, and hear me out on this, because what you just described could be described as overprotective. No, he has a sense of honor. Yeah, he just, he has a sense of honor. He's just a respectful kid who's Mm -hmm. like, he knows his mother would murder him if he did anything like that, so like... Oh, yeah, his mother is a force of her own. I missed her in this book. I wanted her back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... (laughs) I just thought the tent thing was really funny, where, like, Anna and Raza were like, what the... Nothing was happening. We were just sharing a frickin' tent, dude. It's like, don't sleep outside. You're gonna be cold. Get in here. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then they do... But then he does get in there, and then there's this moment where he's like, I wanted this. <laughs> I yeah. just wanted to be near you. Yes. <laughs> the height <laughs> of romance. Shannon Hale so- knows how to write romance and that she doesn't write anything creepy. She she does like friends to This like, is some Jane Austen level shit. <laughs> Shannon Hale is the new Jane Austen. Prove me wrong. Well, she literally wrote an adult novel called Austenland. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. That got made into a movie. Yeah, I have never read it, but... I haven't she either. clearly has some Jane Austen influences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the way that she writes romance in particular, like, clearly Jane Austen-inspired. Yeah. Um, but with Finn specifically, like, I don't know. I like his character arc. I feel like it's a very natural character arc, give, character arc given the circumstances that he's going through at this point in time uh, and the things, like, happening around him. One thing that I didn't really put together until after reading the book that is super fucked up when you think about it is I don't think Enna ever tells him about how she helped out during his fight. Like, I don't think she ever tells him about that in this book. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can understand why she would be hesitant not to. Because mm-hmm. she wants him to feel like he, he won that. Yeah, like it's important for him to have that confidence. Yeah, but also, I think that's something that she could tell him later. Something I do like about their relationship, though, is that, and this is more how it plays out in River Secrets, is that Anna needs serious time to heal. So they're not going to be jumping into anything super serious right away. They're going to be, like, taking it slow to let both of them heal. Yeah, so, and I think uh, yeah. Finn, Finn is the perfect person for Anna. Like, they even explicitly say it in the book. Like, she's not the most patient person, and he is. So, like, she doesn't need to be more patient because he already is patient. Like, they, they balance are, each other out so well. They are what Katniss and Peeta wanted to be. <laughs> They are Katniss and Peeta done so much better. You know, I see it. I see it. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, that's Finn. Are there any... Sela? Should we talk about... We already kind of did. We already talked about him. Yeah, he's bad. Um, Bad guy. Is there any other characters that we need to talk about? Honestly, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm good with that. Oh, actually, wait. One thing I wanted to talk about with Seelith really fast that we didn't get a chance to talk about earlier is um, at the very, like, the last time that he, like, meets Enna and he's, like, been stalking her through the Tyrian countryside and, like, confronts her and Enna and Izzy are, like, not in the best place. They're both, like, very much overwhelmed by their respective elements at this point in time and, like, not having a great time, and he's just being his creepy self. Uh, Finn, like, rushes in to try and help rescue them and all that fun stuff. But the way that he actually dies is with his own men killing him. His (laughs) own men kill him! Yeah. Which just, like, that made sense to me on so many different levels, because, like, okay, on one hand, yeah, he's a creepy dude in general. Obviously, he's gone a little bit crazy at this point. It makes sense that people now want him dead. But for those Tyrion soldiers in particular, like, it look, it seems like they've been on the run for a while, like, at least a couple of months following Enna, and they clearly haven't had a bath in a hot minute. They seem like they're outcasts from the Tyrion army because of what their commander did. Um. So it makes sense that they would betray him because he fucked up their lives so much. And it's just, it was such a good detail. I loved it. Yeah. And it also makes sense because with a lot of um, people in powerful positions um, that have a lot of like corruption and some dicey dealings and all this horrible stuff, it and often their undoing is. What the the people they put around them and mm. the corruption, like what they did themselves. I also think it was interesting to see like how having his people speaking kind of get thrown back in his face kind of broke him. You know, because like yeah, yeah, like that's kind of what does it. Uh, I don't know. I found that interesting. 
Yeah. Oh my. Okay, can we move on to world building? Yeah. Okay, I think we should probably just like for the sake of our audience who might not have read this book, we should talk a little bit about what happens at the very end and how Enna and Izzy find balance and then jump into the world building. Yeah. Because my first world building comment is about that whole situation. Okay. So basically what happens is there's these people living, I think it's, I don't know what direction it is from Bayern, but in another- In the South? in the South. Yes, that's what it is. In the South. There's these people who um, are rumored to be fire worshippers. And basically, uh, they're rumored to like have control over their abilities. So then Izzy uh, risks her life while she's pregnant um, and takes Enna to these people in order to try and figure out how to save Anna's life because this is after she's done like the mass murder thing she's like been in a fever coma for days like she's mm-hmm. not in a good place so they travel south and uh find these people um and there's a couple of things tossed around. They go a little bit back and forth about different ways that they could save Anna. But um, once the people there find out that Izzy um, has wind speaking abilities, um, they basically just like have the two of them teach each other their elements. So like Anna teaches um, Izzy fire speech and Izzy teaches Enna wind speech and this basically balances everything out for both of them. Anything you want to add? Um, in terms of the balancing it out, I just have a comment about it as you do, which is why you did the whole thing. Um, it makes sense even though it does feel very retconned and I don't like that about it. I wish it had been built from the beginning, but like it's impossible to do. So whatever. Um, the fact that these are nature elements, it kind of like follows what they do in nature, which makes sense yeah. with the wind and the fire and the water and the fire. Like the reason why they go to Yasid is because Izzy has heard of people who have found balance with the fire because they also learn water, which takes a while to learn apparently. Like they don't, teach it though they have to naturally develop oh yeah 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 so the thing with fire that to explain later is that it's the easiest it's the easiest language to learn and also the most corruptible Mm -hmm. and it seems to be the most common (laughs) it seems to be the most common in terms of like there's this entire group of people who are naturally born with fire speaking abilities yeah um and it seems like it's probably one of the ones that, like, one of the languages that is, like, easiest to identify. Yeah, because so you can means, feel yeah. heat. Yeah. But, but the like, way it works mm-hmm. is that you have, like, there's, like, a hollow place in your chest. And you, you feel the heat, and then you draw it into the hollow place. And then... So you can have the heat, you have store the heat there, and then you can, like, put it out, and that becomes on some kindling and then it becomes fire 
Yeah. Um, Which is less but, complicated than learning to, to hear words on the wind or whatever. Yeah. And also, like, it's a very obvious power. Like, you're going to notice if a little kid is, like, burning things up around them. But I feel like in these two books, we've run into a lot of people who have people speaking abilities, and they don't seem to know it. Yeah. Like, um, Izzy's mother, I don't think she ever, like, says, oh, I have people speaking or whatever. It's yeah. just, it, we're told that. And part of the reason why Izzy is able to fight back marginally against her mother is because she hasn't, she doesn't know it, so she hasn't really developed it in the same way as um, Celia has. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I think that is also something so interesting about people speaking that, like, if you don't know that you have it and you're not conscious of it, you're still a very, like, manipulative person, especially how we saw in this book with um, Celeste. Um, but uh, if you do know that you have it and you do develop it, it becomes 20,000 times stronger. Very yes. scary. We will talk about people speaking in greater detail in Forestborn, the last yes, book we in the series. I'm excited for that one because... Me too. It's honestly the, probably my least favorite book in the series. It's, it's the third most entertaining for me to reread, but it's like River Secrets, I get bored. But also I think it is the worst book in terms of like the plot and the writing. I'm pretty sure it's the first book that I read in the series. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> you will have a different perspective than I do when we get to it. Yeah, um, but going back to world building, the reason why I wanted to bring up the ending is because I wish that we had learned more about the fire rain people. Yes, like that is one of the biggest gaps in the world building that I wish had been filled in. Here are some of the questions that I thought of: How did their society develop? Like, uh -huh. how did they become what they are? Will things change for them now that they know elements can be taught? Because it's made clear um, that uh, none of them uh, learn the elements. They're only born with fire speaking abilities. And then they somehow, through meditation, develop rain abilities. Um, mm -hmm. But now that... Um, Izzy and Enna have proven to these people that elements can be taught, is that going to revolutionize how things happen? Are people going to stop dying? Like, yeah. what are the repercussions of that? Yes. Uh, yeah, there are so many things. So, with that, is it beneficial for people, for this information to be out there, for people who might develop something like fire or people speaking, which are very corruptive abilities, to, mm -hmm. so they can find something to balance them out. What balances <laughs> people speaking? That's a question I have. Uh, you, that's answered <laughs> in okay. the fourth book. I don't remember it, so don't tell me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, it, I also like that you can have multiple things, potentially, that can balance, like water and wind both work. But... I'm wondering, is it worthwhile to have this information out there in the public so people can know a place to go to if they're having trouble with these things? Or does that run the risk of many people developing these abilities? And is there a problem with 
so many people developing these abilities and them being weaponized somehow. Yeah, I also think that um, this book, like, I don't know, these books kind of make this claim that there are certain people who are born with the innate ability to speak languages, but there are also people who just, like, have a stronger um, predisposition towards mm -hmm. those languages. Um, so I feel like something that Izzy might have, Izzy and Garrick might have to take on later in, like, their lives as king and queen is, like, how do we find these people? Mm -hmm. Like, wh what do we do with them? How do we keep yeah. them safe? How do we keep other people who don't have these abilities safe, especially with people speaking? Yeah, and it's, it's really hard because I personally, like, as using an analogy to, like, weapons, I would prefer there to be less, fewer weapons out there. I don't want a lot of weapons in the world. But at the same time, when you have a few people who have weapons, they carry a lot of power, which is very dangerous because there isn't, mm. there isn't like a particular way to fight. There isn't a set way to fight back. And also the control of information, having that rest entirely in the monarchy or with people who just already knew, um, like in Yasid and other places, like that it also presents a complicated dynamic. So I just don't know whether or not it's good for everyone to know about how these things work or whether it's something where you develop it and, and you get like slipped a name like this is someone to talk to like if you're experiencing this. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like these are like repercussions of the world building that I'm really interested to have explored, but I feel like Shannon Hale doesn't want to explore them, you know? Yeah, though I, I would argue there are hints of this issue that come up in the second book. I mean, the third book, River Secrets, mm, okay. and the fourth book. It's an ongoing conversation. And because okay. one of the characters is literally a queen, like, I would worry about other people developing fire without having anything to balance and I would maybe think about reaching out to these people, kind of doing a rehab thing, like a controlled rehab yeah. with a bunch of people who have these honed abilities and can fight back. And like it maybe also, have them. Uh huh. Yeah, and like have them learn wind or something. Yeah, I also wonder like what the genetics of this are, because it seems to be kind of random, but it also seems like people in the same families are, like, more likely to have these abilities or, like, the predisposition to learning the ability. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm just really interested in, like, this world that's been constructed. And this is another mm -hmm. comment that I wanted to make about the world building, is that um, we don't really get that much more world building in Anna Burning than we did in The Goose Girl. Like, we get Tira and that whole thing, but because it is such a, like, a war story, we don't really get to see, like, normal life anywhere. No. Like, uh, like, there's none of that. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like there's still a lot that's left to be explored. And at first I was thinking that, like, 
oh, this is kind of a disappointing thing where like there's this huge world out there and there isn't like like Shannon Hale didn't put in the work to like show us more of it. But then I thought maybe this is a good thing because like the fact that she was able to write this world that feels so big and expansive is really impressive. So there's that. Yeah, and also like it took three months to get from Kilden Reed to Bayern. Like this There's that too. Like, the world it's not like this world where everything is it's very easy to like get from one place to another in just a few hours. Mm-hmm. And like it's not like a globalized world. There are very different pockets of places that aren't super accessible and information probably takes a really long time to travel. Yeah. And yeah, and it it's presented as a like a real problem. So I was fine with that. The thing is, like, with Yasid, Shannon Hale, you only have white people for the last book, and this is what you do. <laughs> what were yeah. you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Yeah, I don't know what she was thinking. I think she was... <sighs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, what is the ethnicity of the people in Yasid? I'm assuming they're people of color. They are people of color, but, and she appropriates Buddhism, and Ah. she appropriates, um, like, she's, like, she kind of makes it sound like it's a tribal, a country of tribes, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, oh, no. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Not great. (laughs) Um, yeah, also, the country is right there. I know what I just said about people not traveling, but it's right there. People are going, you're going to have some migration, so you're going to see people from this country and Bayern. I'm sorry, not everyone is going to be in your, like, brown hair, blown haired, black haired, like, white skin world that you created for yourself in Bayern. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is a problem that we were running into last time with the whole hair division thing. (laughs) Just not, that's not how hair works. It's not how, there's immigration. There are people going back and forth. It's not how genetics work. No, oh my gosh. This and dragon slippers, like. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think actually dragon slippers did a pretty okay job. Well, in the later books. Okay. Well, in the later books, it does a better job in like showing cultures mixing. Yeah. Well, the hair division is one of the stupidest things I've ever. I agree. It's yes. not great. Okay, Shannon Hale. This book is very good. The series is very good. The hair division thing. <laughs> not. I like how you're talking as though Shannon Hale is going <laughs> to listen to our podcast. I don't know. God, I hope she doesn't. I really hope so. Um, oh, the one other world building thing that I wanted to say is, um, that I feel like the world building is centered around the characters in the story, and we don't get more than what we absolutely need. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, an interesting way to write a world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know, that's what I got. Yeah, I think Yasid was a little, was done in some poor taste. But the thing Moving is, into critical analysis. Yes, 
the thing with DC is that I'm glad it exists. I think yeah. that something like that and not like a traditional monarchy system needed to exist. I am sorry that it really was built off of stere stereotypes of pe people of color in um, non-Western cultures. Like that mm -hmm. sucks. Also, yeah. uh, like, oh yeah but i'm glad it exists i hope that it's used more unfortunately it's not used more mm, like i sad. think that i what i wish would happen is that maybe like izzy would kind of ask advice on how because they they yasid is the experienced country in this they are the people who know who have been dealing with this like rehab situation with people who develop firepowers for a long time. So I think that Izzy should be should ask their advice on how to handle the situation in Bayern because it's not like the situation is that different. Like Izzy, they are the they are the leaders in this situation, and they could provide some really helpful expertise on how to set up some uh care for people I, who fall to similar patterns i think izzy kind of starts to do that as they're leaving like they kind of talk about setting up trade and like communication lines which is good um but i think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where this world just is not very connected yeah like people are not communicating um between countries very easily uh yeah. which also, is like what yeah like what the heck was the cause of the war they just wanted land what were they no, retaking no, no. the land that baron took before i think it was that uh in past generations baron and tira had fought before and baron had killed a lot of tyrans and mm -hmm. it was probably like a land thing where they also ended up taking land but that yeah. was, like, generations ago. Okay. So, I don't know. It was, like, a war. Yeah. I think that there might have... I personally like some... Like, this is a political issue and, like, something that, obviously, they, they escalated this to violence in a pretty quick amount of time. Mm -hmm. Though, also, like, because of the slow communication, it could have taken a while for things to converge, and then, and then the armies were like, mm, gotta go. Yeah, they were probably moving armies as they were trying to talk to each other. Yeah, but I think that it would have been more interesting if there were more, if there were stronger discussions of what happened with the war, and honestly, I think that would have, would have made sense if this book had been treated as, if the first book had been treated as part of a series with this issue, is if the reason for the alliance with Kildenry was to provide support against Tira mm. because of a brewing conflict that they, that they see happening. And maybe if we could have had Kildenry military support with Bayern because of the 
alliance, the marriage alliance with Garrick and Izzy, I think that would have made a lot of sense and would have been grounded in some historical context. Yeah, that would also have kind of messed up, I think, the initial conflict of um, of the Goose Girl where, like, they were trying to make the alliance because Bayern was so big and powerful and Kildenry needed that alliance so that they wouldn't get stomped out. Uh, and no. then Celia's whole plan to, like, kill Kildenry anyways. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I agree. Like, I think that there's definitely a way existed. to do it. But I think that thinking of this as, like, a narrative throughout the series that continues. Yeah. Like, a marriage alliance situation. It. Yeah. And I don't know. I w- I'm kind of interested in the intrigue that was going on that caused the war. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what the hell happened? Yes. And we find out what happened in the fourth book with this whole thing. But I personally do not agree with that interpretation of what happened, which we will get into. Okay. We got to wait. A bit. Okay, and, okay, critical analysis. Yeah, I feel like we've covered, like, most of the big stuff with, uh, what's the country called again? Tira? No, 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 the other one. The other Yaseed. one. Yaseed. Yaseed. I feel like that's, like, one of the biggest things that stands out in this book as different from Goose Girl um, in terms of things that we need to talk about in critical analysis. The one other thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that Enna is Izzy's friend mm-hmm. saves her life yep. on, in more than one ways. Because not yes. only does Izzy literally like go to the ends of Earth to like find a way to save Enna, but at the very end, the most consequence, like the biggest consequence that Enna faces as like having done what she had done is like she gets stripped of her uh queen's maiden title yeah and then she then they turn around and they make her part of like the king's personal band of 100 men or whatever i don't know yeah like she faces zero consequences and it's because of her connections with the royal family yeah continued Continued gender roles in this book. Yeah, like the whole men do the fighting, women don't is a big thing in this book, I think. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like like this is this is a lot of other historical literature interpretation. Like this happens in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, where magic mm-hmm. is really like feminized and and magic is among women because you know Mm -hmm. like long history of witches yep in whatever so like the magic is treated as like something that like gives them power and it's like very gender (laughs) like the men get the swords and then Mm -hmm. the women get the magic Mm -hmm. I will also say that one other thing about this, kind of tying in with Revive the Author, is I don't think Shannon Hale was thinking about how, like, only men do the fighting. I think that is something that she brought into this book from our world. Yes. 
Like, I don't think she constructed this world setting out to put the sexism in there, but because she was working with her, her own knowledge, like, that's how it ended up. Well, she, I, she explicitly wrote a world with very specific gender roles, and she, like, a lot of people do that. Like, it's a common thing in fantasy, mm-hmm. and it's, it's to be expected. It's kind of interesting often to explore to explore, like, a world around these particular gender role, roles. Like, yeah, a lot of people could do it. At least she's a woman <laughs> doing it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Would have been worse if it had been a man. Oh, God. Oh, uh, yeah. If I have to see any other man's, like, sexualized female, like, you can just game. say Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I I'm sorry, I hate Game of Thrones. Same. I never watched the TV show, but I read all of the books. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. It's I can't do Game so, of Thrones. Oh my god, yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do any fantasy or sci-fi thing that sexualizes um, non-men. No, non-men. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. And especially when they, like, add in the whole, like, violence aspect. We didn't really talk about this um, earlier at all. But, like, when Enna first gets captured by the Tyrans, like, one of her guards, like, tries to rape her. Um, And, like, he walks into her tent and it's clearly implied that that is what he is trying to do. Yes. He is going in there with the intent of having sex with her, whether she wants to or not. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stops him is Silith comes in and is like, beats this guy up. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And it's implied in the last book with the story Anna tells about the women, um, like pulling down their their dresses to be like this is look at me now this is what will it will be if the enemy comes and takes me like it's implied that part of the brutal nature of war is that when the men claim the the villages they will sexually assault or like rape and pillage yeah and we see that in the towns that they claim where the women end up wearing like uh yeah uh sashes that are the color they're like the the shade of blue that is the tyran color yes like it's like marking them very literally yes there are some really dark there's some really dark stuff in this book yeah 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 and i think uh, the reason why i thought of this and wanted to bring it up is cuz we were talking about like fantasy written by men and i feel like one of the biggest differences that i usually see between fantasy written by men and fantasy written by women is sexualized violence and gendered mm-hmm. violence in those books like with men it's sometimes it's fetishized uh when they're right when men are writing it or it's like made into a romantic thing which is always gross Um, And I feel like a lot more often when I see women writing those same situations, it's a lot more nuanced and carefully done, especially because it is usually done from a woman's point of view and, you know, yeah, all that stuff. 
Yeah, and in terms of the audience for this book, this is a young adult book. Yes. The people reading this book are young adults who are being so like teenagers, yeah. early yes. younger teenagers. And I think that this, I I know there are a lot of dark things in here, but I think that the nuance that they are given in is like I think that teenagers and young teenagers can handle it. I agree. I, I mean, think like I. I read these books in middle school and I feel like I was able to handle it. Yeah. Maybe I didn't completely comprehend everything that was happening. And I definitely going back and rereading it, like I'm seeing more of like the brutality of the war, but I feel like the way that it's handled in the novel is well done enough where like it showcases the brutality of war without, I don't know, like, like, romanticizing war or violence or any of that stuff that you often end up seeing. Yeah, I think it has the way that it depicts Anna's internal struggle with the fire and then, like, the, like, not wanting to burn a person regardless of who that person is. I think that that is a really good nuance situation to get teenagers exposed to. And I also think that it is it is like a good intro to a very complex character arc that might not follow the traditional, like you start off meek and then you grow (laughs) to strong. Superpowered. That's a really good point because Anna doesn't start off weak. She starts off conflicted. Yeah. And, like, she grows through that conflict. Yeah, she grows through that conflict, but it's like a this. It's, like, very realistic yeah. to how char- arcs actually work in real life. Yeah, it's very much, like, she has highs, she has lows, she goes up, down, she takes two steps forward and one step back. Yeah. Like, it's all that very realistic stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think I think it's a really good, especially... Like, it can stand on its own, but I think that the series as a whole, reading the first book and reading this book, it's really good mm-hmm. reading them together because they yes. add nuance to each other. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, would totally recommend this despite the darker themes. I also think that you almost need to read the first and second book of these series, like, close to each other like the other two books whatever fine read them later we'll but, talk about them. <laughs> yeah we will but the goose girl and enna burning uh like enna and izzy are like the main characters in both of those books and they just like they swap roles like how we talked about earlier where uh in the first book enna takes on the caring friendship role and in the second book it's izzy's turn like these books uh, together really show you this complete character arc that both of them have and how they grow as people so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and again, this is another good depiction of friendship and relationships that mm-hmm. also have have their own highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of message about forgiveness yeah. in here. Oh, and like how yeah. to make amends. 
Yeah, there's a lot of positive messaging in this book. I think that the general problematic stuff is all in the world building. Agreed. Definitely agreed. And it's also like, uh, it's not like, uh, it doesn't go into detail with those things. So I almost like, I don't want to say I don't mind it as much, but it's not as obvious if you're not looking for it. Yeah, well, I think I think the main thing to keep in mind is that this is a very this is not a diverse world. The di- yeah, the diversity is not handled in a realistic way for how the world is even set up by the mm-hmm. author. Or You're right. yeah, or like how right. just like immigration works and how climate <laughs> works. Yeah, like and how yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, but that's going to be a problem in so many books. Yeah, because I mean, like, Shannon Hill is a white woman from America writing this. From Utah. From Utah. She's a freaking Mormon. We talked about this last time. Yes. Like, obviously it makes sense that she isn't going to have the most perfect writing of a diverse uh of diverse cultures like excuse it again you're totally right but But, it explains it yes um okay Uh, yeah is there anything you want to say with like inner editor or anything with reviving the author oh yeah so this said a lot of it yeah, follow but, yeah. a different structure than the fairy tale structure of the Goose Girl. I liked yes. how it didn't use the fairy tale structure and kind of used its own story and didn't like look for another fairy tale to mm-hmm. build off of and instead it relied on its own world building. I liked that. I also liked that there were it wasn't like a story mountain. There were a lot of different ups and downs. I think that it was a well in general, it was a pretty well structured book. Mm-hmm. in terms of the arcs hitting at the right time mm-hmm. with the plot arcs and the character arcs um the writing was pretty good um i think mm-hmm. something that i will say having is that the end of the book like it was a quieter end mm-hmm. which is fine mm-hmm. yeah but i might have I don't know. I'm not sure if I like the particular way the book ended. I might have um, added more to the ending or or something. Yeah. I mean, I said this before. I wanted more um, of the people with the fire and the rain. Like, I wanted more of that, and I wish that that part had been a little bit more expanded. Um, And I feel like uh, we kind of rushed through the traveling back because they were trying to get um, Izzy back in time for her to give birth in the capital. They didn't really make it, but you know, they still got word to Garrick, which is good. Um, yeah, I I, mean, I I like I liked the pacing. I think. Yeah, like I think there are always going to be. Yeah, I feel like there's always going to be like little things where I feel like there's the pacing could have been better, but I think overall the pacing improved from the goose girl like i think it was better paced 
And I think the times yeah. when Shannon Hale chose to condense the story were well-placed. She is really good at transitioning between, like, scenes that are really dramatized and then stuff when she narrates, when she just, like, narrates what happens. Like, she's yes. really good at that balance and that transition, and she knows not to, like, drag on a dramatized scene too mm-hmm. long just because she's trying to find the right transition out of it. Like, she doesn't put any unnecessary dialogue in the book. And I think I said this in The Goose Girl, but we don't see this so often in books today with a lot of streaming services available. Books today are way more dialogue heavy than books, um, especially in the young adult world, than books written in whatever, 2006, 2009, whenever this book was published yeah I think it was 2008 maybe I want to say (laughs) yeah 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 definitely I think it has a really good balance between like dialogue and description and yeah I think we've said everything about the writing it's good it's very character focused um but it also has a good balance of plot yeah and in terms of authorial and revive the author, I don't really have much to say because we kind of said a lot about her and the goose girl. And we've also and been we bad at about her. killing her. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, shall we move on to fan fiction takes? Yeah. Okay. Something um, that I did after I finished reading and a burning is I went onto the website Archive of Our Own, which is like the big fan fiction website. Um, and I looked up the Books of Bayern tag and looked at how many fics have been, uh, fan fictions have been written about it. There are not that many. It is, like, there is not really a fandom around these books in the same way that there is around, like, Harry Potter or Percy Jackson, which makes sense. I get it. Um, these but are also- older books, but I wish there was that, I wish there was that community around it. Yeah, I mean, but this is also another thing where I think that a lot of things in the way this book was, this series was delivered, made everything so satisfying that there wasn't as much of a place where people could rethink a lot of things. I think the most thing I'm surprised to see is, like, they don't, like, I I would expect to see a lot of ships of Anna and Izzy. That is, like, the biggest ship that I saw in the <laughs> fan fictions. Yeah, personally, I don't agree with it. See, the because. only reason that I don't, I the only reason I don't agree with it is because I love them as friends and I love their other relationships. Like, I love Garrick and Izzy and I love Enna and Finn. I like those relationships too much to, like, ship Izzy yeah. and Enna. Yeah, and I really like, like, LGBTQ plus representation is needed in this Mm -hmm. book series. It is needed. However, the heteronormative relationships that happen in this book are very good. And they're very healthy. Very healthy. I'm not about to break them up. Um, and I think especially this book, I talked earlier about how Seleth is a really good example of, like, an abuser. Um, and, like, how an abuser, like, abuses someone, um, and I think, like, the healthiness of these relationships should not be understated. 
in terms of like YA fiction, especially fantasy, we don't see Yikes. stuff like this often enough. Like this is an mm-hmm. outlier. Um, and it's good for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say the one fan fiction that I saw that I thought was like a good niche that I would like to be filled more is um, there was a fan fiction from the perspective of Izzy's little brother, like right after she gets sent away. And oh. it's, all, it's like about his inner emotions as he's like, oh God, now I have to be king. Um, and I don't know. It was like an interesting little character study. I'll send it to you. We will. Nice not link it in this description in the description probably uh yeah but so i did do a bonus episode yeah. i don't know if i'll actually release it i did do a bonus episode where i was reading city of the ember city of ember fan fiction and <gasps> Wait, that's so reacted- good. yeah yeah um oh i should do that <laughs> okay maybe i'll make some bonus episodes with that <laughs> yeah i've been i've been doing i've been recording a lot of bonus episodes that i haven't released um, Dang, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. It's been very Good. fun. Um, yeah. What were we talking fan fiction takes? I th- my yeah. fan fiction take is that Izzy asks people in Yasid to help her set up a a thing in Bayern to mm-hmm. help rehabilitate people who fall into fire or wind or whatever. And like yeah. so she can develop oh she can use her own knowledge of animal speaking and people speaking and nature speaking to, to help them. But she's also collaborating with people in Yasid who have been doing this rehabilitation for a while. I think Izzy definitely becomes a scholar in terms of like all of this stuff. I think she definitely goes on to write at least a couple of volumes about this topic. She better. Um, she should. She, she has the knowledge. And She's so smart. And she knows so many people. And she could collaborate with so many people and it'd be so good. Yeah. Um, and also, she I feel is, like this knowledge just needs to be written down. Izzy is the only valid royal worth dying for. You're right. You're so right. <laughs> yeah, though, though, Creel marries into the royal family. So there's, I would die for Creel. Mm-hmm, I'd die for Izzy more. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, that's valid. Yeah, yeah, I think my only fan fiction takes are like, I want the world to be more connected. I think it would be interesting to explore how these different powers like help different countries be more connected. Like, you could send messages over the wind. Oh. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a fan fiction take. In part of her healing process, Anna teaches her, Anna, like, Finn teaches Emna how to use a sword and javelin and all those things so she can find another way to defend herself besides fire. I love that. Which is part of her rehabilitation. Wait, that's so good. Because, like, I feel like a lot of times her first thought is like I have to protect myself. I have to use the fire, but if she has another way of protecting herself, that's great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And even though I she think- has wind now, I think that having something besides the powers would be good. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely. 
Um, I read an interesting analysis of like fan fiction communities recently where um, fan fiction usually fills in gaps in the story where like people <laughs> like where there's like something missing um so like a lot of times uh novels that are more adventure heavy you'll see fan fiction take a more like characters just interacting route or if the story is characters just interacting fan fiction will often take like let's send those people on adventures um and I feel like this book has such a good balance of everything that it doesn't need that. And that's why most of my fan fiction takes are like about the world building. Mm-hmm. And because that's where the, that's like where the story is weakest. Yes. Um, and fan fiction exists to like fill in those gaps a lot of times. So I don't know. I just find I like analyzing fan communities. I think it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just what I want to say. Any other fan fiction takes? Or shall we move on to ratings and conclusions? Do um, we have any? Um, my fan fiction take about the, the son that Anna, Anna, uh, no, Izzy births is that he will grow Tuscan. up. Tuscan. Like Tuscan, he will grow up to be such a well adjusted <laughs> kid because <laughs> he has like the best parents. And but he's also going to be like complaining because his parents are always like trying to teach him all these preachy lessons, and they'll be like, "Mom, I don't I care about this. Can I just go back to playing toy soldiers?" I feel like also his parents are kind of like the perfect royals, and they're they're the perfect leaders. So there's going to be some pressure there. Yeah, no, I think that they're also going to, like, force Tuscan to work in the stables or something. <laughs> to work with the animals, and Tuscan's going to be really resentful of it until he realizes when he's actually king, like, oh, yeah, this was really good for me. And then he's going to force his kids to do the same, and it becomes yes. a royal tradition. Yes. It's, Love it. I, yeah, I think that Tusk, Tuscan's going to be a great king, because he has some great parents. Yeah. Okay. If he makes it that far, he could die, who knows. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I just, I finished editing the Name of This Book is Secret episode today and, like, put it up to be released and everything. Do you know how morbid you get in that episode? No. You get so morbid. I don't, I don't remember. Oh my god. It reminded me of how morbid you are sometimes, and I, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. <sighs> okay, ratings and conclusions. Who would you recommend it to? Everyone. <laughs> Agreed. No, I would recommend everyone. It to everyone, especially people who read and liked the Goose Girl. I think if you liked Goose Girl and you're like a little bit older than when you first read Goose Girl, this is like perfect. Yeah, everyone. Um, yeah. Even people uh, have generational trauma. <laughs> oh. What? No, I know. I'm say? thinking. No, I'm thinking about the the fact that I'm like related to Holocaust survivors, and that there's a lot of mass uh, murder in this book. I'm thinking about like that through the context mm. of um of that, and knowing that a lot of people died 
Yeah, it is an interesting exploration of war times and yeah. like that generational trauma. Yeah, not I a, feel not like, a, yeah, mm-hmm. so that was the, the Holocaust was um, anti Semitically motivated. So, like, that's, that's, like, it's different. It's different. But, but you but know, still. mass murder, <laughs> connecting factor. Um, yeah. I also feel like, I'm just thinking about more about generational trauma these days. Yeah, because the world's currently going through some generational trauma. This is going to impact, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, because I don't know, you're listening to this in the year 2030 for some reason. Why are you doing Uh that? Thank you, but why? Um, Yes, it's current. We're in the middle of COVID-19. Sophie and I are at home both of our respective homes instead of at school where yeah. we would typically be this time of year in the um, room yeah and instead Talking we have to talk over zoom <laughs> instead so of being roommates i know i know it's so it's sad. sad it's very sad um, so anyways, generational trauma is happening right now to the entire world. This is going to be something that I think is going to have similar uh, repercussions as the Great Depression. Yeah, but someone's you know. like, so, someone's like, I don't want to go out and buy toilet paper. And, and then someone else is going to be like, back in my day, we had a toilet paper shortage. So you need to learn how to respect your toilet paper. I'm laughing, but I know this is gonna happen. <laughs> um, I'm a horrible back in my day. Kind oh of my people. god, yeah. I hope we aren't that bad, but we probably will be. Oh, definitely. Um, can we move on? Yes. <laughs> this is—we're getting too sappy and sad. Um, <laughs> my nostalgia rating is a three out of five, just because I didn't remember a lot of this book, but it was really fun to read. So my current rating is a five out of five because I love this book. Nice. What about you? Uh, my nostalgia rating is probably a four out of five because, like, it does bring me back to that time in Hungary. But also, um, something I will say is that this is a book that holds up pretty well in terms of rereading enjoyment. So I have reread it a few times since then so it's not like something that i associate with a particular time in my life just because i have reread it a bunch of times and then my current rating i i'm gonna go high i'm just gonna call it five out of five why not wow that's so nice coming from you yeah so generous i i just love the series i gotta give it some credit that's true um so if you were one of these characters who would you be I think last time I said that I would be a mix between Ani and uh, Anna, so Issa, or Izzy. Okay, before we end, I kept saying in my head, every time it said Izzy on the page, I kept saying Issa in my head. Shout out to her friend Issa. Yeah, because it was spelled so similarly. They spell Issa, or they they spell Izzy I-S-A. Or, no, yeah. ah, my brain. It's ISI. Like, ISI. ISI is easy. Yeah. And okay, then, which character are you, though? I think I'm still a mixture of both of them. Okay. I don't or, remember I don't what know. I said. I can be can I? I'd like to be uh, Finn. He's good. 
Yeah, maybe we'll say maybe we'll say Razo. Why not? <laughs> You'll probably change your answer next time to- with the next book, but Yeah, I'll 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 just say Razo just because friend supportive. Mm-hmm. And then he's a good like, guy. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. Um I think that the comic relief by humor I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. just going to go go Razo. There are definitely elements of me that are Izzy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. I'll just, yeah. I'll just go that. Okay, so that's all for this week. Um, next time, we'll be reading River Secrets, which is also by Shannon Hale. It's the third book in the series. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WTKA underscore podcast and at our website, link in the description. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Stay cool. And have a great day. Don't let it flame out on you. Oh my.